every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's Full Disclosure, the Jono and Dorge podcast. Jono and Dorge, Full Disclosure in the raw, 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 raw. Jono and Dorge, Full Disclosure, no holds barred. Okay, welcome to episode nine of Full Disclosure. That's it. That's it. Coming to you from <laughs> Sydney and Melbourne on an almost weekly basis. Jono Burns, how you been? Yeah, you boys here in Melbourne on the cold face, pretty good, man. Pretty good. How's the weather down there? Uh, oh, it's, it's freezing. Is it so cold, George, that I uh, woke up this morning with a little um, ice block right next to my uh, my boxer shorts, right near my bum hole, and I put it in the fire, and it went. What the hell are you talking about? It froze my fart. You get that? It froze. It frozen fart. It's a little, little bit of a humour, a little joke. Oh, a frozen fart. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. What's the target demo for that gag? Was it like a <laughs> nine-year-old or something? I reckon I've got about a, a probably fifteen percent success rate. I think it's funny. I didn't make it up, but I think yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not, I thought you were talking about Ange for a second. I wasn't know or a cat. Don't say her name, Honey Babe. Oh, you've said her name numerous times in the podcast. Maybe maybe fifteen times. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. But uh, the theme for this uh, this week's episode is... Camping. Camping. Carry on camping. camping. Lots yeah. of hijinks. Yeah. People going to the wrong bathroom, uh, tents falling down, people naked running through the, the forest, uh, all that kind of fun stuff, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got a little camping joke for you. Which, which uh, I made this up. Which uh, rugby player uh, loves camping because he's so good at it? Who? David Campisi. It's good. It's good. Thanks. So good at it. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So good at it. David Campisi, the, the the famous Italian, the winger for the Wallabies. Yep. Brilliant player. Did you watch him play, run around a bit? Did oh, you mate, in, in your younger years? I hate I hate rugby league. I've got no time for it. <laughs> it's rugby union for a start. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I I meant I meant I meant that I meant that. It's okay. No, we'll, we'll stick with it. Just like we stuck with you, your Katie. <laughs> who'd you call um Katie Perry oh, in in yeah the- Katie Perry Katie Fisher well, Katie yeah, Fisher George, that's a good way to start. I've actually got a redaction. Yes. Well, I'd like to apologise for saying that the flossing kid was dancing with Kate Fisher. She was really da- dancing with Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, I did a little bit of Googling of Kate Fisher. And have you heard about her kind of uh, reversal of fortune that's gone on in her life? I'm on top of it. Yep. Yeah. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go- yeah she's... Um, Fill us in, well, though. Firstly, she changed her name to Tispora Malka. Is that a Jewish name? Yeah, yeah. She went full... I thought you were on top of it. She She went full Jewish. She... After yeah, I've got to pretend I don't was... know so that you can tell us, you see. Oh. <laughs> so, you are on top of it. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she um, divorced. She got, she didn't get a great settlement from Packer's son. Uh, she still got, she got like that $2 million apartment in Bondi, but she moved to LA and fell in love with a, a Jewish guy and went, and went, she was already part Jewish anyway, but she, um, she fully, fully converted. Her dad's side? He stole her, yeah, I think it's her dad's side. Yeah. And, um, he stole all her money. Uh, yeah, sad. And um, so she kind of went out. At, she was homeless for a little while. Living in, out of a car, in, I think, famously, wasn't she? Yeah, and in a homeless shelter in Melbourne because that's when she did I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Her charity was that, that place. And she shot up to 180 kgs, so she put on quite a, lot of bit of, quite a bit of weight. 
Um, and I told this to Honey Babe, and um, she said no fat shaming. So that's not, we're not going to be doing that. Sorry, sorry, mate. Sorry to spoil your fun. <laughs> um, and then um, because I yeah, mean she, I think she, it's, we can talk about her pre the weight gain. I think it's okay. I, I mean it is sort of objectification, but she was you know she was in Sirens and she was famous for being like many of James Packer's exes, a, a very buxom sort of uh, mm-hmm. woman, wasn't she? Yes. She was famous for being on that pasta app. Was it Latina pasta? Which pasta was it? Yeah, I think it was one of the Latina pasta. And she just spoke in Italian and was just pretty sexy. And, yep. and if, that was one of my the, like amazing movies that I saw at the cinema, Sirens. And that's when I kind of knew that I was, I was destined to be um, a bit of a thespian because I went with like a bunch of dirtbag mates. I think we would have been about 14. We snuck into Sirens. And, you horny little sirens. boys. Horny little, dirty little, smelly horn dogs, pimply and, uh, faced. It, oh yeah, just semen just pouring out oh. of the pimples on our faces. Just yep. like, just, which just cinema was it? The, was it in Frankston or just, something? Where'd you go? Like just knocking up against like kitchen benches, just, oh, just trying to put ourselves out of misery. Did you at least throw a few suburbs away so you wouldn't see anyone you knew when you went to the cinema? <laughs> No, it was dad because it was a single parent uh, growing up, and so dad used to just drop us at High Point, which is a shopping centre near Altona. How, how good was it hanging at shopping centres when you were a kid? Yeah, good yeah. dad. He just he just leave us there for four hours and then just come and pick us up. So we used to do double movies sometimes, sneak into boats. So it was about four of us, and we went to Sirens, and in Sirens, Elle McPherson is naked. Portia de Rossi, obviously, um, famously from Arrested, Arrested Development, Development and Alec McBeal back in the day as well. Oh, is she? And married married to one of the most wealthy women in the world. Talented as well, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Let's just call her wealthy. Anyway, all these, all these naked babes, and yeah. I walked out of the cinema and I went, what a delight that Hugh Grant was. <laughs> I just, And they were like, what? But he was really great in that. That was before we knew all his tricks. Yeah. The hair acting and the, oh, well, uh, yes, uh, obviously, I... Uh, uh, I love you. Yeah, we were watching uh, Georgie Had Love Actually on, which I loathe the movie, but she just started pissing herself laughing halfway through at Hugh Grant because he's exactly the same as he is in every movie. His character, completely the same shtick. But it, it, it works. It's good shtick. It's very charming to watch. He's yeah, very, very charming. charming. Yeah, and he, and he can't do anything else because he tried to do like an action film once and he can't even run. He can't run. He's <laughs> just <laughs> like... He's pretty much just a butter boy. He's made out of butter. Like, there's just no definition at all. It's just and a pants man. And... and a pants man. Yes. Emma Thompson, I remember seeing on one of the chat shows. I wouldn't mind doing a chat show one day. And mm-hmm. she just said that he was, she wasn't giving him a bar of it. He was trying it on with her during a film. And he, she was like, no, I'm not interested. And he was the most glum, sort of sooky boy on set that was ever known because she didn't want to uh, let him have his leg over with her. Remember he got caught... He got caught with Divine Brown. That was a big... Divine big M. Thing. Brown. That's right, yeah. Divine M. Brown, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Kate Fisher, she... Yeah, that, I think we love that story because it's such a reversal, basically. Like, she was found... I think they, they found her again because they, um, they paparazzi got a picture of her, like, in a sheet or something, like, looking super overweight. But yeah, hopefully she, um, she gets better. Does she, you know... Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means, actually. I hope she gets better. What do you mean by better, mate? But, uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> just a bit better. Like, I hope she just gets a bit better. She's not um, fine the way she is? Is that what you're saying, mate? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. I don't know. No, she just... I mean, it's just. it just seems like it's a big reversal from... A big reversal, is it, mate? All. A big reversal. Oh, jeez. Gentlemen, George. Full disclosure. No holds barred. No holds barred. 
Well, speaking of big reversals, have you been up with the Bomber Thompson, all that kind of thing as well? Because people are obsessed with that at the moment as well. Yes, as we cover off the weekend news. Yeah, I, Bomber, um, I'm all over it like a cheap suit. Um, it's What's fascinating to watch is that versus the Ross Lyon story, the way the media treats them both. And it's pretty obvious, the hatchet job online versus the quickly relatively just say, smooth ride. Just quickly, for our international people, they probably don't know. Bomber Thompson was the the coach, was it was a great player for the Essendon Bombers, which is my team back in the 90s, won a premiership and was so good that they gave him the nickname of their emblem, the Bombers. Uh, then he went on to coach uh, three, three or two premiership wins for Geelong. Two, I think. Left them, well, yeah, because, yeah, he maybe he missed out on one. Uh, acted, started acting erratically and they just uh, raided his apartment in Port Melbourne and found not only a lot of drugs in there, ice and all sorts of things, they also found two bikies living with him. So it's a huge fall. Whereas Ross Lyon, maybe you can... I'll take over the Ross Lyon being yeah. a Fremantle boy. Ross Lyon's mm. been the coach of the Fremantle Dockers for an extended period of time now. I think it's about four or five years. Came over famously from St Kilda after he invested in mining and lost all his money. And Fremantle came to the rescue with a big financial package. Came over here. You could argue that his judgment on, on mines might show some of the issues with his mental capacity. But anyway, he came mm. over here and look, he's famous for slamming the media. You, you can go through and watch the greatest hits of him telling journalists they're idiots pretty much to their face. What's happened now is a couple of journalists have uncovered a sexual harassment story which dates to about uh, two and a half to three years ago where a woman was paid some hush money essentially under a non-disclosure agreement. She was a young woman, a junior member, and there's been a lot of stuff in relation to junior females in the AFL. There was two, famously two members of the AFL organisation in the in the administration that had to resign based upon their affairs, extramarital affairs with juniors. This is a junior, and Ross Lyon allegedly told her that she he liked her budding boobs, and it turns out she was three months pregnant. Huh. Not, not that I really see that much of a connection. Mm. I don't think it saves it either way. Mm. But she was three months pregnant. She was very young and um, she was very upset. Uh, she was paid off. It's been uncovered and the journalist has been running the story and they found another a guy then called in and said he had a problem with Ross Lyon from a pub incident only recently, which he's now retracted. But there's a marked difference in the way the media is treating the two stories and I think it really comes down to Bomber Thompson was famous for being readily approachable easy to hang out with nice guy Ross Lyon famous for being a grade A a-hole autocrat mm. and, and yeah and difficult to deal with and uh, you just got to be careful about who, which bridges you burn and who you rub up the wrong way, especially when the media have the capacity to dig up dirt, which is what they've been doing. I did a little bit of my own research into it. One mm-hmm. of the guys that's been leading the charge was McInnes, the guy who Ross Lyon... I just thought, oh, that name looks familiar. He's the one that after the Geelong game about a year and a half ago, he said stuff you guys were doing off the ball wasn't great, was it? And, and Ross Lyon said... What's your name? <laughs> and and said, well, you're quite brilliant, aren't you? McGuinness, is it? You're quite brilliant, aren't you, mate? I find it very dis- – and actually went after him in Ooh. a press conference. So, it's just – it's not hard. I think we have to be um, critical thinkers, if possible, and analyse the sources of some of the stuff we get. And, look, I'm not – I'm not justifying Ross Lyon's behaviour and I'm glad it's been dealt with and is coming out to some extent. But there's been some... For example, the second story which came out, that there's been a second complaint referred to the AFL. If you click on that and look into it, it was just this one guy from a pub who thought, oh, I was a bit upset. He called the Fremantle Football Club and they said, oh, Ross said some things to me I didn't like. And they said, well, report it to the AFL. We went, you know what? Don't worry about it. 
End of story. But what the media took from that was there's been a second complaint referred to the AFL by the Fremantle Football Club, which they used to, you know, insinuate the heat was on Ross Lyon even more, when really it's a non-story. So there's some beat-up jobs happening Whereas there. the Thompson one's a big story because that's a huge fall. Thompson one from- is a massive, massive yeah. story. But if we'll you talk still- about reversals of fortune, as you said, massive. Well, still, that'll keep going. Um, the update on that is the QC that's actually dealing with... P- Pell's case is going to take his case, so he's getting the best lawyer money can buy, Catholic money can buy. Hopefully, Pell rots in jail. Let's keep it light, though. Let's keep. Let's yes. we talk a bit about school camp. Speaking of rotting in jail, <laughs> some people think camping is akin to rotting in jail. Not me. I love the great outdoors. And you recently, Jono, well, I did like the great outdoors until I was brutalised for a, a month or two. Keep it and light. Beaten and and. <laughs> Keep it light. Um, but recently, you had your own experience. Jono, I believe you went carry on camping with the school kids. Here it comes. Here it comes. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining. And they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. I did, mate. And yeah, we alluded to the cold weather we had, uh, and it was really, really bad weather. Um, we, I went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday camping, so two nights out at this tree farm outside of Ballarat, and go with very young kids. What's a, what's a tree farm? Tree farm is a farm that, that grows trees and that they sell the wood from, and um, the, the, the principal of the school has his own tree farm. He's done quite well invested in uh, Wait, sustainables. So is, it, so is it your principal's yeah. own tree farm you went to? Yeah, it's his own. It's his own tree farm. It's like having a wind farm, but it's uh, got trees on it instead of. Um, Does he quick... charge for the camp? Uh, yeah, but he just yeah. It's part. It's it's a it's a. I won't name the school, but it's an individual business. It's a private school, so it's so, all. It seems like a bit of a conflict of interest that you take your own kids and you charge them from the school to stay at your own tree farm. Well, you know, they're not charged to rent. They're charged to go to school camp. I think it's all inclusive. It's an expensive school anyway. But yeah, keep butting in. Good. And, what a uh, rort! What an absolute rort! <laughs> not the point. So I, uh, I I went to the school pretty early on the Wednesday, and to to get the kids, it was ten kids. There's a, f- a four year old, uh, and there's an uh, it goes up to an eight year old, and there's ten all, all up. And I uh, went past um, the, the the other woman that I'm doing the camp with, and she was packing the bag. And this mother that I'd never seen before turns around. And she says, "Hello, Jono." And I was like, oh, hello, you know. And then she goes, I'm, what's his name's mother? You can't say his name. And I said, oh, good, great. Just change said, the name. Mate, so how hard does it change the name? <laughs> I'm Jack's mother. I'm Jack's mother. There I you went, go. That went, wasn't hard, was oh, it? Great, great. And she said, Jack needs cuddles every night, Jono. Lots of cuddles for Jack. He needs cuddles before he goes to bed and he needs cuddles all the way through. So just give him lots of cuddles. And I was like, fucking hell. Just walking, just put my head down and just hearing her just continue that to... Um, Jane, the the teacher, and um, and then I see Jane walk by me and just walk like towards a cupboard and just hide in a cupboard because this mum had been doing it to her for like half an hour and apparently the principal said this mum had been calling up every day to say this, like just freaking out more and more, these absolute helicopter parents. And then we have... Um, we have meeting, and one of the kids hasn't doesn't hasn't turned. Are they called, up. Wait, can I just hold on? Are they called helicopter parents because they fly in helicopters? No, because they they hover around their kids too much. And I was joking ah. that that like when they trap you, you should have like a little um, app on your phone, like just a, the sound of a chopper, and you should just play it really loud, and so you can't hear them as like a passive aggressive kind of. I can't really. Can you do a chopper? Can you do a chopper? Oh, that's good. 
Get out of the chopper. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and um, it's hard. Actually, I think I've suddenly hurt something. A bit sick now. I feel a bit oh, ill. Oh no! You need so, those golden larynxes. Not a lot of heavy breathing. So yeah, and so then uh, as um, we, this one kid hasn't turned. We'll be like up. This. <laughs> Get out of the that, chopper. That be yeah, that's, that, no, that's better, first, right? That's better. Uh, first one was better. Oh, okay. Right? And okay. um, one of the kids they had to call up. <laughs> Is that better? Sounds a bit sexual, but I think, you know. <laughs> All right, sorry, move on. Sorry. If you started sorry. making that noise, making love. <laughs> uh, so, so um, yeah, so this parent, um, they just didn't send their kids to school that day. And so the, the parents had to, the teacher had to call them up and say, listen, if you miss this camp, we'll just send them on another camp. Because it's a big part of the philosophy of the school is that they go out in the great outdoors. And um, we're on our way. Um, we're, finally, this kid turns up and their parents kind of corner me. And I didn't really realize up until this point that they were the crazy parents. But the, the dad is this kind of like mousy, tall guy, leans in. He goes, so what, it's going to rain. So what, what actually, what do you do on camp? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, looked at him and I said, oh, no, this, this, they're, they're, they're like so worried about their kids. And shock horror, mate, the two shit kids on the camp were the ones with the, the really uh, hovering parents. But we get there, it's pissing down rain all the time. Uh, it gets to two degrees uh, and um, so finally we just send them into into a cabin to watch an iPad and they just, um, they're watching movies, which is very much against the philosophy of the school. Uh, but there's one other, one kid who is the kind of most urbane, his parents were fine, the most urbane of the kids and, and who kind of struggled early because he'd never been on camp before, but he was out there with me, out in the elements, we were playing chess uh, and um, f- putting logs on the outdoor fire, and he was really getting into wait, it. Wait, wait, it's not exactly out in the elements playing chess, is it, oh, mate? We're outside still in two-degree weather while it's pissing down rain, and we're just keeping the fire alive, which is which is a fun activity because he cook everything on the fire. But um, as soon as there was a break in the weather, he said, can I go back on the flying fox? There's a flying fox there. And he'd never fun. been on... I a- love flying foxes. Yeah, really fun. He'd never been on one before. It took him a little bit of... He was a bit scared to do it. Finally, he was a champ on it. So it was a real... He was my, he was my favorite. You're not meant to have favorites, but he was definitely my favorite. And we went a few more times on the flying fox, which is about two meters up high. And on his like 15th go, he holds it and he just lets go. Like not, you know, he, like, like as soon as he gets on it and just smashes on the ground and I see him bounce what? on his side. Yeah. And I'm, I'm running up to him. I'm like, mate, are you okay? How, how, how old is this kid? Eight. It's his first okay. ever camp. And uh, I find out not long after that, that he, both his parents are lawyers and one of them's a lawyer for ASIC that, you know, is t- taking it to the banks. And so he's like shaking and I, I don't have my my um, accreditation with first aid or anything but luckily Jane the other teacher I call for her she calls and she very quickly just gets him to straighten out his arms and goes you're, you're alright you're alright but he's like he's fucking shaking and um, she goes it's fine it's fine he'll be fine so she sends him in to the cabin to watch um, to watch the iPad sends in two other people to watch the iPad with him and you know we give him an extra marshmallow because we get marshmallows going by this point but I'm like fuck it doesn't you know I think he's not he's not you know, it's not good. Like he just, from that point on, just put his hand in his pocket and just kind of kept with his hand in his front pocket. And she said, no, he's fine. He'll be fine. He's actually one of the more nervous kids, like, uh, and maybe carries on a bit, you know, in sport and stuff. Cause she knew him better than I did because I only do a couple of days, but I didn't feel good about it. And then we, I'm in the cabin 
with uh, the four older boys and she's with the, all the other kids in another cabin. And we heaps of tears throughout this camp. There's lots of homesickness. And I'm with these four animals and he's the nicest. But um, I say, you've got to be quiet. We go to bed at 6 o'clock at both nights because it's, it's just dark and cold. So you go to bed at 6 p.m. And um, he just starts whimpering in, in, his, in his bed. And he's like whimpering and crying. I'm like, oh, mate. And I can't sleep and I feel bad as well. And I'm like, just try and go to sleep, mate. And he's whimpering and, and kind of like making these kind of like little timorous noises. And I think I've slept a little bit, but I, I don't know. And I look, I go, listen, I'll go and I'll get you some some Panadol or something like that. And the cabin's quite far away. And this is where you'll appreciate this about me, George. I leave the cabin and I've never got the best sense of direction. It's about three minutes probably walk from the major campsite. And I go out, it's pitch black. I don't know what time it is. I assume it's maybe like 4.30 in the morning or something like that. And I've got my phone with me, but it's got it's on like um, 1% battery. And so I, I know I'll, I'll turn it on there. I've got, it, I've got my torch. It's raining and I fucking get lost. I get lost outside. I can't, I don't know what time it is, but I'm just walking around and um, I see this, I see like a light and I don't know what the light is. I can't imagine the fire's still on, but I walk towards the light uh, and unfortunately, the like, freaking myself out because I'm like, why is there a light? I'm trying not to freak myself out, but all of a sudden I'm thinking of like the Blair Witch Project and Twin Peaks and, and just walking around in, in the, and it's one of the little idiots had left their torch just on at like where they were doing digging holes and stuff. They like to dig holes. So now I've got a torch. Now I'm really, um, I've got no idea where I am. And I get to the point where like, cause George will know this and listeners, I get lost a lot. Like many times with George already, I've got lost in different places. Like I've shit sense of direction. And I go into the kind of fight or flight thing where I think, fuck it, it's too hard. It's probably like 5.30 in the morning. Maybe I'll just find a bit of shelter and try and go to sleep underneath the tree. <laughs> and so I just, I just stand underneath the tree for a little while because I've been walking around for so long. And I think, fuck, no, that's a bad idea. I'm getting wet anyway. So I just keep walking and walking and walking. Finally, I see something that I recognize. I'm way off from where where um, the campfire is, but then at least I know where the campfire is from that. Can't find Panadol in like the um, the 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 place where they have the that the stuff for that kind of thing. Have to wake up Jane. She gives me a couple of Panadol. I manage to find my way back. Thank thankfully, I get in there and I'm like, "Are you still awake, mate?" Hopefully, hoping that he's asleep. Oh, I find out from Jane that it's only one thirty in the morning, so it's very lucky that I didn't um, just try and try and wait for the sun to go up. And then um, I'll be right. And he goes, and he goes. Oh, I'm really sorry, Jono. I've just vomited. I'm like, oh fuck, oh. yeah, yeah. And so like, I get there and like, it's all right, mate. I pick, like get a sheet and just like pick up the vomit with a sheet and like just throw it out the <laughs> front of the thing. And I give him these two Panadol, and I'm like, mate, these are very strong. They should get rid of the pain. You know, within three minutes. That's what it usually does. It gets rid of it in three minutes, and you should go to sleep after that. And I give them both both of them. I don't fucking sleep a wink because I feel so bad. He does go to sleep, and the next day, um, the the print the, the principal's wife picks us up. She gets up at five o'clock in the morning to drive the two hours to Ballarat because she knows how bad the weather was. Really, really bad in Melbourne, and and in Ballarat. Yeah. So we we leave early. We go to bounce on the way back. You know the the trampoline land because we don't want them yeah. to have the shittest camp ever. We make him bounce mm. on the on the trampolines but he's like he's bounce not ha- bounce kid <laughs> he's not mm. having any you of it you make him bounce <laughs> he's not having any he's determined I don't want that to he's bounce injured. very much get on the <laughs> get on it and bounce and, and all I'm, the adults I'm are sore. like no 
Yeah. And then I saw the kid today and sure enough, enough he's um, his collarbone, he broke it. Oh. So, yeah. But his parents seemed fine, but it was so fucking shit. He broke his collarbone. <laughs> yeah. Little legend. So, so, so that was on your watch? So that's school camp, mate. Was that on your watch? It was on my watch. I saw it. I was, so I was did you ask him when you tempted when he, when he was like, <laughs> going, why'd you let go, mate? Were you tempted to ask him why he let go? <laughs> that wasn't very clever, was it? it was that's slippery. probably what I'd do. That wasn't very clever, was it, mate? Why'd you do that? So what's the moral of the story here? Don't let go on when you're on high things. Well, I think the moral of the story is is the whole, you know, don't don't be um, the boy who cried wolf. I think in the past maybe he has. That's why no one believed him. Whereas I believed him because I didn't know any of that stuff. Oh, he's always crying all the time. He's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe, but maybe he, so, it, yeah. what if every single other time he was genuinely, genuinely messed up too? What if he's got like, you know, micro fractures <laughs> in his ankles and in his fingers? Why he's never going to trust adults again? That's because his mum didn't get him get him tested for another night as well. So he had two nights with his broken collarbone. I went hiking with Joe Spivy. He developed poison ivy. <laughs> you remember Leonard Skinner? He got plumbing poisoning last night after dinner. Speaking of never trusting adults again, I've had flashbacks recently. To that time, Jono, where I was hired to brutalise a child on set. Do you remember that, that that particular experience? Yes, yes. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Tell us that. Oh, it was I had a it was a directing friend who I'd met at a few plays and around the place, and he's, he was doing quite well. He was an afters grad. He'd won some comps, some big comps, uh, worldwide comps. For, he did a um a short film uh, about some refugees, Sudanese refugees. So I thought, oh, this is a really nice guy. Anyway, he kept sort of going, yeah, I told you, I'll give you a call, maybe we could do something. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, you know, a talented dude. Sure, that sounds great. Anyway, I get a, like a, an email. I, firstly, it gets me to lay down a few voiceovers for some of the TVC spots he's shooting. I ended up doing a TVC with him, actually. I did an, a product, which I won't name. And it went quite well. His name was, um, let's say his name was um, Jeremy. So then Jeremy just emails me out of the blue and he's like, mate, I've, I've got this short film I've shot and it's, it's a comedy with some big names. Had some big names in the comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. And he said, I can't get these big names back in, but I, I'm not happy with the kid's performance. I need him to go further emotionally because it's, it's getting knocked back from all these comps. So I'm going to reshoot his sequences with, can you, you'll be in the frame playing these big names, but... I'll be blurred, dirty in the frame, so you can't see my Who's face. Who's the big names? Oh, I can't name Who them. Who the I big names? I can't name them, I don't reckon. Why not? Oh, Why not? Let's just, I'll leave it up to you. It's better because be it wouldn't imagination anyway. But you'll be, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll yeah. be dirty in, you'll be dirty in the frame, but what I need you to do is um, just, just walk to and fro in the frame so we can focus on the kid more. I just want to change his performance a bit. I thought, oh, sounds good. Rock up. The, the, the premise of the, the film is, is this little kid, a little conspiracy theorist kid, and he's worried about his teacher. And um, as parents, we're freaking out about him being a conspiracy theorist and we're sort of yelling at him about his teacher and stuff like that and that everything's going to be okay. I think he thinks there's something wrong with his teacher. Anyway, in the film, they're sort of just like, you know, talking to him, it's fine. The, the retakes, the director wanted the kid to cry. So, so he comes up to me, pulls me aside, and it's suddenly become dawning on me what this really is. And he's like, look, I need you to go hard on this kid, okay? I need you to go really hard, really mess him up. And I was like, oh, like, are you sure? Said, yeah, and the, the, the mum's there with the kid. So, And then I, I pull the mum aside, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to yell at your kid a bit here. And she goes, yeah, it's fine. It, it'll be good for him. And I went, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, it'll be good for him. So me and this other actress, lovely girl, and, and she's feeling bad about it as well. Like, we're, we're, from take to take, I have to, I'll give you a little sort of sample of the stuff I'd be doing. Yeah. I'd be like going. Who, what, what, so what, what's my objective? Now you listen to me! 
You listen to me! You will not, not ever complain about that teacher again! You just shut up! That sort of thing. But he he left. <laughs> he he said he was going for panadols and he, he didn't come no! back. No! Yeah, and it was that sort it's of... true. <laughs> and this kid's crying. And they're like I'm seeing this kid like flinching when I'm screaming at him. <clears throat> and... After the takes, I'm just feeling awful. I'm like, are you sure that we really need to go, yeah, look, it's, it's good. And the mum's like, it's fine. It's, it's good for him. He needs it. How did, how did the movie turn out? Uh, well, I think it, got, it, got, it was better as a result. <clears throat> it got up. Did you ever watch it? It was a short. Uh, I haven't, no, I haven't seen it recently. So it got into um, the Bondi. Um, Flicker Fest and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but look, it was not a good... After the experience, I just came away. And I, I checked with the kid after. I was like, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. But he wasn't okay. He wasn't okay. Like, he wasn't okay. Because we, the thing is, we'd mess around. Like, the next take, I'd be, like, soft. And the next one, would be like, okay, now I want you to go really, really hard. And I was like, oh, jeez. And, and afterwards, I mean, I'm... But it's also bullshit that you don't even get to be in it. That's really... This is the thing. What is the... I yeah. felt a bit like, you know, I, w- You're a hatchet I shouldn't use like a Nazi analogy, but I felt like, you know, I was carrying out something pretty horrendous. Just following orders. Following orders. I was just following orders. And but you didn't get anything out of I it. I didn't either. get paid. Like you didn't- <laughs> All I no. got out of it was a really dirty feeling afterwards that I might have brutalized and messed up a kid's psychology quite heavily. But anyway, I told Jono pretty shortly afterwards and Jono was less than happy about what had occurred. And uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah, a good experience. Sounds terrible. And I feel like maybe, I guess there was an incentive for me, which was um, working with this director, which hasn't really occurred in the future either. But when it comes down to it, you don't expect when you sign up to be an actor that part of your job will be to brutalise little children until they cry. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's like it's bullshit. You're not meant to do that. Like there's meant to be. That's the problem with non-paid gigs. You get around all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if if there's union rates and all that sort of thing, you're not allowed to do. Yeah. That. You used to be able to. Apparently, um, in um, The Exorcist, they were horrible to. Yes, and famously, also, I I think one of the great child actors of all time was um, Corey Haim. Not oh, not terrible. Corey Haim. <laughs> were they were they terrible to Corey Haim? The one I'm thinking what of is that have sex the kid him? in The Champ and Kramer versus Kramer. Yes. Ricky Schroeder. Yes. yes, is yes. It? Ricky, Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. He um was in NYPD Blue. As an adult. He was always my favourite child actor. I thought he was excellent. And I, I later found out about Kramer versus Kramer, that the scene where he broke down, they just did a, a simple trick where he wasn't allowed to leave the room and uh, Dustin kept stopping him. And that was enough for him to break down crying because he was trying to do something and he wouldn't let him. And that was the trick which they used mm. to make him cry. It was just setting up sort of obstacles that he wasn't aware of and they sort of manipulated that mm-hmm. into a performance. But you can easily see how some sort of mental manipulation like that can then lead to the worst case scenario, something like I was in where I was simply just brutalizing a small child to manipulate a performance out of him. And that's the issue. They're being manipulated into a performance a lot of the time. Hence, it, mm. hence it's amazing, sure, but it's not... Well, it's not their choice. No. They're not, it's not their Except, choice. The and even... Like, as an adult, you can go, do whatever you want to make me cry. I've given you my, my consent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's saying yeah. here it's... It's Ricky Schroeder. It is? Yeah, it's big time Ricky Because there's a picture right. of Justin yeah. Henry here in the, in the credits for Kramer vs. Kramer. Uh, maybe, no, maybe Ricky Schroeder was in another movie, but he won an Oscar... As a kid, Ricky Schroeder. Okay, so Ricky Schroeder is the actor I'm thinking of. He was in The Champ. I, I loved yeah. him in The Champ. Yeah, maybe it was a different kid in Kramer versus Kramer. Cute little kid, I think. Yeah, that was Justin Henry. And you're right, it was a different kid. Right. I just wanted to, it's important. Now that we're talking about movies, mate, maybe we should, um, maybe you should do your review of the All week. The counselors hate the waiters and the lake has alligators and the head coach wants no sissies. 
So he reads to us from something called Ulysses. My review of the week on the movie subject, one of our favourite subjects of all time. One of the great things about dating a millennial is that you get to sort of go back and sort of suggest films that might have been before their time. Now, uh, sometimes you'll be knocked back and sometimes you'll be told to shut up, and that's fine. But uh, in this case, I had this film that's kept floating to my head because I think it seemed to me like incredibly topical, but also maybe because uh, I think it probably has a fair bit in, in common with myself when you often feel like, you know, you're a bit of an imposter sometimes in certain social situations. This film... That bit, of a, on- bit of a fuckhead. <laughs> Who's a fuckhead? Okay, Anyways, <laughs> so moving right along. Who's a fuckhead? <laughs> Oh, you're calling a fuckhead. Um, (laughs) The film I thought of was uh, Six Degrees of Separation, Mm -hmm. John Guare. And what I loved about it was it involves a... a Spoiler alert. It involves a a, a guy who masquerades as somebody else completely in order to infiltrate high society of New York. It's, in in many ways, a bit of a Harry Higgins, Pygmalion, uh, My Fair Lady effect where you have someone from a lower socioeconomic background who pulls the wool or who's constructed into... Uh, a person who can mix with people from an upper socioeconomic background without them realising that they are, in fact, not from that background. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but also the racial scenario is the the big part of it as well. And I'm going to be honest with yeah. you, I, I couldn't... Can I say what it's based on? It was based on a... a Go on, I yes, actually this, this is the really interesting, one of the interesting things about yeah, it. Yeah, heard the, I've heard this story from someone that it happened to. Uh, in the 80s, there was um, a spate of... of Burglaries, or not even burglaries, it was confidence scams where uh, on the Upper East Side, people would, um, a, a well-dressed African-American man would, would um, get get the attention of, of someone, usually like someone in their 60s, living in the Upper East Side, a white guy, and they'd get their attention and say um, that they knew they knew their family, um, that, their, that their father was friends with them. So they'd say, they'd somehow get the guy's name from them and say that they'd just um, run out of money, and if they could get a loan, basically they were playing on the white white guilt of these people because every, everyone kind of has someone a col- an African American colleague, uh, and they they pretty much trick them well enough that they'd be like, oh well, that must be the son of that person, and then they'd lend them money, and it, it happened dozens and dozens of times. So this this character is kind of based on that, but taking it to the taking it to a bit more of a um, of a Gatsby or even what's who's the other guy the the, the famous one that that Matt Damon plays, Mr Ripley, talented Mr Ripley. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more Mr Ripley. Yes, it is. Although you know, your story is close, but not quite correct. Uh, there was actually <laughs> an actual figure. This uh, play was directly written about, who would uh, do exactly what you said, but he actually would use Sidney Poitier as the character that he was every single time. And the way he came up with it was that he and a friend were trying to get... This ties into one of my less than great stories, which you forced out of me. It it, it all started when they were trying to get into Studio 54 in New York, and they couldn't get in until his white friend said, I'm the son of Gregory Peck, and this guy being black said, I'm the son of Sidney Poitier, at which point in time they were ushered straight through past the line and into the club. And that's where the birthplace of this idea where you could masquerade as the son of a celebrity, and then infiltrate high society came from. And this guy was very good at it. But what I will mention about the true story and what, how it differs from the film and play 
is that he was actually the son of a judge, um, the guy who did it. So he already had, I think, the affectations down pat to a large extent, having grown up in that area. In the the play and the film, they take the character and make him uh, a rent boy, essentially, on the streets when he first starts mm. constructing the character. But this guy was from money, but he, he was heavily into gay sex. Um, he en- ended up dying from HIV, actually. So there's, again, some... And that's the character in the film that's as well? That's exactly right. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's, it's... And it was based on a play. The film was that's based right. on a play. That's right. And, Jono, you've read the play, I, I understand. Yeah. But the thing about... The- it's, not, it's not the greatest read, the play. I, I've read it. I think it's more... It's one of those ones that it's lifted a lot on stage and on screen. Mm. I, 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 I liked reading the play when I was at night, and I, I thought it was... It resonated with me then, but maybe because I'd seen the film around the same time. But um, what was really cool about the play and the film well what was fascinating is the actual playwright knew they're real characters the art dealers in the play and film were people that he knew who had been ripped Uh off by this guy and the the guy was so incensed when it became such a huge smash that he sued John Guare for 50 million dollars arguing that the entire story was constructed from his life he was unsuccessful it was that lifted the story it was that close to the bone and with you know tweaks and I think fantastic some fantastic text and ideology he throws around. But one of the reasons I, I also checked it out was it's just been remounted on Broadway unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason it was cancelled wasn't, might I add, considered to be the writing, which is still pretty bang on, I think. But yeah. the, um, it was just the cast. And it was what I loved about it. Got a good review, though. I just read the review by Ben Brown, right. and he liked it. Yeah, I think but it's cutting. It's very witty. And, I mean, it features some of my favourite actors, so we should go through those. Do- Donald yeah. Sutherland, I think, is has always been right up there in my top selects. His voice, for a start, is being a big fan of voices, as I am, I think is just spectacular. It also features Stockard Channing, famous for... Rizzo. She was in the play. She pl- was in the play as well. The original production. She's fantastic. She. I thought she yeah. was brilliant. She plays. Um. She plays. She's in the West Wing too. She plays the the wife of the president. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's just. I just. I've got a lot of time for her as an actress. And then, of course. Oh, and I should mention Ian McKellen. I'd forgotten about plays the South African in it. The um the wealthy South African who sits down to dinner with the imposter and the family and does I'd say a pretty dodgy South African accent. He definitely floats <laughs> in and out pretty heavily, but um he's mm. still pretty good. This is pre pre yeah. Sir Ian. Um, speaking of six degrees uh-huh. of separation, that's one degree of separation for you, Jono, for having that's right. rubbed shoulders with Sir Ian. That's all that's all he got to rub. <laughs> And then uh, finally, I think, well, that's not finally, Heather Graham features quite heavily oh. in it as well. A young Heather Graham, when she was dating Heath Ledger, I believe, it was just around that period. I actually, She has an amazing, she pops up in so many so great many things. things. So many things. Yeah. Long career, long career. And yeah. I've got one degree of separation with her. I knew Heath during that period in Perth, grew up with him. And also I knew her younger husband, who I ended up hanging out with in LA for quite a little while as well, um, only about five or six years ago. So one degree of separation there for, what was that two? Do? That's two. Very cool. Yeah, cool. What, how many degrees do you reckon you have with Will Smith? How could you? How, how could you? Well, I know I'm good friends with the Porch and Parlour people in Bondi, which is a lovely mm-hmm. cafe. Ah. And he was recently... Recently, all over Porch and Parlour on television, uh, eating there, loving yeah. it in Bondi. So, what's that? That's one degree uh, again, I suppose. One and a half, two degrees, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty pretty close with uh, the Will side of the story as well. But anyway, moving forward. Was that his first film? That's a really good question. It was straight out of yeah. what I was thinking as I was watching it. So, dear listeners, Will plays the role. And it's, it's, I will admit, one of the reasons I was thinking about it is I think it's a great role. Fantastic role. I mean, how many times do you get the chance a la Audrey Hepburn to transform from someone with no money to someone with heaps of money, or at least the ruse of having heaps of money before the audience's eyes. And get to play a charming person, a super, super charming, charming person. Super charming, yeah. eloquent, intelligent, 
um, attractive. Yeah, it's a killer it's a role. role. It's a great role. But it, like, like Ripley. It's, it's a, that, it's that's right. I didn't think of Ripley, Ripley, but you, you're bang on there as well. But both fantastic, fantastic roles. Dream roles, in fact. You'd, you'd say that Will Smith has more charisma than, than Damon. Damon doesn't play him with charisma so much, though. Damon plays him just as as someone that can just transform to whatever you want him to be. Yeah, yeah, there is that element. I will say about Will Smith in this role is I kept thinking of Fresh Prince. I mean, that must have been a reason I think that he, he got a look in, or I felt like it was a strong reason. He played a, a black man from Lots of Money in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. Famously. I love that show growing up. I watched that so much. I, just having a flashback. I used to drive past the Universal lot in LA, hang out with a, an American dude, and I heard it from two or three people. So I, I think it's a pretty accurate story. If not, it's a great urban myth. They said that Will Smith, before he got Fresh Prince, would just sit out the front of that studio with a sign, basically saying, have talent, will work, and would just harass, 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 harass whoever came in until he got his look in for Fresh Prince. That was one of the famous stories about that But he was lot. already a... A massive rapper. Yeah, exactly. He was a massive exactly. rapper. Exactly. But fresh, he was, he was um, hell- DJ Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Very motivated rapper. Still, like a, that was yeah. the story. I had his cassette tapes. I used to love. I used. To, it was. I loved. I was a big fan of Will Smith. It's just, it just got wor- like I've fallen off more and more. Yeah, as a kid, I, I, I'm a huge hip hop head. Yeah. But I couldn't find the good oil living in Williamstown. Yeah. So my first, I think my first rap was I had Run DMC, but then after that, and I had Beastie Boys. But I think yeah, Fresh Prince. And the Fat Boys. I had the Fat Boys. But yeah, I loved... So, you're right. His first major film role was Six Degrees of Separation in 1993. So, and Uh, what's really interesting, I spoke to... Highly acclaimed. Well, yeah, it kind of of was, actually. Um, And Mm -hmm. and the next one was Bad Boys in 1995. So, you can see there's a massive gap. And this is what's really interesting about this. So, when I told Georgie, you know, Will Smith was playing this character, she's like, oh, no, really? And then, then it's funny, I spoke to her father, who's a doctor recently... And he was, they both said similar things. They're like, wow, he was, he's actually really good in this. He's really, really, a, it's a fantastic transformational performance. And, and but, but here's the thing. I think he's good in everything. It's just he's chosen, chosen. films exactly now right. where he doesn't, he doesn't share the screen with anyone. He's just incredibly deliberate. And runs. He run, he's running in almost everything these days as well, you know, mm. and has been since so about- He's the opposite of Hugh Grant then, the exact opposite actor. Dr. Dr. Dalton thought, assumed once he saw Six Degrees that Will Smith was going to go on to Shakespeare. Like, he, he saw that career trajectory after seeing- Less money in it, George. Less money in it. Time. He, kn- he knew, yeah, he, he like he totally found it. It's no coincidence. He's done lots of films where there's no other people mm, in it. Mm. It's usually just him. him. Just blowing up aliens. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes he'll share with his son, but that's it. But yeah, it's very rare that you see him. Even like his latest one, the Netflix one, Sunshine or whatever it's called. Yeah. He fucking made Joel Edgerton wear a blue mask the oh, that's whole time. That's right. That's a good point. In Six Degrees, he's got some long monologues, which he delivers outstandingly. Mm-hmm. And he's got a real rhythm to them. And Georgie, again, said it's like he's rapping. So his natural rhythm really comes across. Look, I guess you can tell from the way I'm talking about it. I'm a huge fan of the film. I think it's very witty. I think it's very funny. And one of the really undervalued parts of this film, and I think the play, is the humour. They really slam these rich kids of Donald Sutherland and... and I think it's Stockard Channing. Yeah, yeah. Stockard, Stockard. I think you're getting Channing Tatum mixed <laughs> oh, yeah. up. It's Stockard Channing. They really slam these kids of Stockard Channing and Donald Sutherland, um, uh, all these kids that grow up at Harvard, and they just complain the whole time, um, screaming at their parents. It, it's hilarious to watch. There's a lot of rich Jewish kids just absolutely going to town with their neurosis about their parents and their issues. And that's um, and a really undervalued part of how amusing it is as a film. It's, it's a real critique, I think, of New York High Society 
society. And what's really nice about it is the Stockard Channing's guilt and, and her connection she forms with the kid, which is really, without giving too much away, I believe she is probably the actual true protagonist of the story itself. It's about her journey. Mm. It finishes with her as well. And being a fantastic actress, I think she holds it fantastically. So for me, Six Degrees of Separation, I give it a solid out of 10. I give it a solid eight for me. It's, I think it's, a, it's sure. a really great film. It's aged incredibly well. Some films don't age very well. And sometimes I'll, I'll bring something up and Georgie said, that was a turkey. Why'd you make me watch that? This film has aged very well. The concepts are fantastic. Thoroughly recommended from Georgie Swallow. Take me home. Oh, Fada, take me home. I hate Granada. Don't leave me out in the forest where I might get eaten by a bear. Well, um, do you have any camping stories that you'd like to talk well, about? Well, yes. You're, you've got me waxing lyrical now. Um, when it came to mm. your little story of um, Jack's, Jack's little vomiting episode mm. uh, in, in the tent when you clean it up with the... What did you clean it up with? Mm-hmm. A sheet. With a sheet. A sheet, yeah. I had my own... And that is left in the bush. Uh, my, left in the bush, that's right. I had my yeah. own problems with... I mean, it's funny. I guess the lack of toiletry facilities is one of the major issues when camping, but it does seem to bring about bodily fluids uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good when you're with kids, but when you're adults at music festivals, it's not such a great look. Uh, this is my full disclosure for the week. Again, I think it's uh, it's a pretty solid tale. It does involve an ex. I'll start with that. Caveat mm-hmm. slash disclosure. Don't even try and say her name. I'm not. No, 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 her name was Diane Fornell. <laughs> Diane Fornell. Why? Diane Fornell. Why do that? Well, because it's funnier. <laughs> okay. And also, I need to be able to say her, her name when I'm talking about the person. Oh, yeah. Okay, Diane. So, yep. it's, it's, it's Diane. Yeah, Diane Fornell. Okay, so Diane. <laughs> Diane was uh, a millennial, a younger girlfriend I had. Mm-hmm. Um, she was an actress. And it was, one, it was after I'd... I'd Long since decided never to date an actress again, but I made an exception for Diane. Mm-hmm. We had a great rapport and things were going quite well. She was very intelligent and, and lots of fun. Oh, so you're not going to say anything, that, any chance of you getting into trouble here? <laughs> no, well, who knows? So <laughs> so Diane was also from a very affluent background. Um, her parents yeah. were very successful in the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. I guess she was, in many ways, you could consider her an heiress in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. Right at the top end. Through her, I had to spend time with some luminaries of the Australian uh, wealthy set like uh, Kate Waterhouse and, and Luke Rickardson and all those sort of people. And I didn't really enjoy it that much. Anyway, we'd been going out for a short period of time. Things were going quite well. And we decided we'd go to a music festival down in Victoria called Boogie, which is a really fun festival. It was Jono's idea, I believe, Jono and his friends, some great friends of Jono's, Melbourne friends I've made over the years. This is a good thing that um, you, I was a bit annoyed with you that you were like, just organise a costume for me because it's a big costume party. So I thought I was going to stitch Dodge up a beauty. I was going as um, one of Siegfried and Roy and Sam Marquard was the other the other lion tamer. And so we we're playing just gay lion tamers, which was really fun. Uh, but so I got George a massive gorilla outfit and I was like, that's going to be hilarious. He's going to be in a gorilla mask the whole time. But he still managed to kind of, to coif it into quite like a flattering kind of costume. And there's some, there's some photos up, isn't there? Of the, there the, is. I website. think it features, you can see it on our website, yeah. fulldisclosure.com.au. Peeps, check it out and subscribe. Yeah. Anyway, so we're, mm. um, I'm heading, we're heading down there and uh, dear sweet Diane was going to have to come down from Byron because that's where she was based. And it was one of the things we had a connection with. She, she'd grown up predominantly in Byron. I'm from Fremantle. There's a cool sort of like uh, hippie type vibe thing that we shared and that was nice. Cause, um, yeah, a multi-millionaire hippie. 
<laughs> that owns half of Byron. That's sure. the Byron effect, though, right? It's like that's it's what's so affected about Byron. It's like I'm so down to earth yeah. and stuff, but yeah, I'm onto Instagram yeah. and I've got millions of dollars. But yeah, like just stop cramping my energy. I can't stand your negative vibe. Anyway, so yeah, I'm coming down to this boogie festival. It's uh, average age demo. at This boogie festival is kind of interesting. It's a little bit older. Uh, I'd say around mm. 35 to 40 almost uh, to some, a large extent. Not back then. We were probably in our yeah yeah about 32 or yeah, something. Well, uh, this is a long time ago. Can I just ca- another caveat? Yeah. This is a long time ago. Okay. People, so anyway, so I get down. We get down to the festival. I get down earlier. She's <laughs> that's right. She was coming down to meet us. Anyway, she ended up getting lost almost on a bus, and it was a little uh-huh. bit dramatic. But she got there. We arrive. We're setting up now. I've got a lot of friends that Jono's there, and a lot of mine that I don't see very often. So I'm you know socializing, introducing them, etc. It's going quite well. Then we borrow a tent from Jono. Jono organized a tent from who? Yeah. Who's, who's tent was it? Tent. Was it by the way? Uh, it was um, Bex's old housemate, Edley. <laughs> Edley, lovely, lovely Edley, guy. a bit of a blue blood for the for the record. Edley, very well spoken, uh-huh. MCC member, lovely, lovely guy. Anyway, so we set up the tent. Things are going great. I started having a few drinks, and then uh, dear sweet Diane is wanting to you know party a bit, but she's really got a hankering, being a Byron girl, for a bit of weed, uh, aka THC, aka marijuana, aka the the herb. And I'm I don't have any on me. And uh, I'm wondering, and I happen to have... Did you, did you check your butt cheeks? <laughs> this is a pre-butt cheeks story. <laughs> okay. So, I'm che- looking around the festival, um, just wandering around and having a drink. And I've got uh, this particular... At this festival, I had this cool Blaze Up 420 um, singlet, oh, yeah. which is like based on the Portland Trailblazers. It's a cool hip-hop style basketball jersey with Blaze Up 420 written on it in the style of the Portland Trailblazers. So, yeah, I've just got it recently from an overseas, from a, a guy from... Actually from Perth who imported them from overseas who had great style. Anyway, I get this. It's a bit small, but I get it. Rocking around with my drink and some guy just approaches me at this festival. Well, you know, it's a cool festival, pretty big. I'd Friendly. say a few thousands, lovely people, that sort of Victorian chill vibe. And this guy's yeah. like, hey, man, do you want, uh, do you want one of my cookies? And I was like, what, what, what kind of cookies? And he looked at me and he was like, are you wearing a Blaze Up 420 singlet? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, what do you think? I was like, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Bit rude. <laughs> I was like, okay. Stupid question. You are wearing it. Yeah. Duh. I don't know who's dumber in this story. Anyway, he gives me it. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, man. Just kidding. I walk back nice. to my tent. And then Diane comes out and goes, what's that? And I go, oh, this guy gave it. I relayed the story about, he's the guy's like, are you wearing a blazer for a 420 singlet? And she's like, oh, can I have it? And I go, well, you can have some. Just, just be careful. And she goes, don't worry, I'm a Byron girl. And so then I walk away. I walk away for a bit, sit, talk to some other friends, come back, and she's eaten the whole goddamn biscuit, right? The whole cookie. Oh. I'm like, you sure you're okay? And she goes, I'm from Byron, okay? I'm fine. I was like, okay, no worries, no worries, Diane. And then so we're walking around, and then I'm still fraternizing. I come back, and she's like... She's by by this central area where there's all seats set up at the festival, and she's got this this brush out, and she's taken she's taking all the hair out of this brush she's borrowed from one of the other girls, and she's made it into she's gradually pulling hair. Like, What's she doing? I watch her. She made a Spinifex ball out of the hair in the brush, and went, "Oh, here you go," and gave it to the girl who lent her the brush. And the girl's like, "What? What's that?" And she's like, "It's a ball." <laughs> I'm a Byron girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, don't worry and, the, and this girl was like no that's disgusting I don't want that and she's like oh sorry and then she puts it down and then she's like looking at me and I can see she, how big was it like it, the size dude of it was head? about how the much? size of like a, a small little soccer ball like a kid size soccer Shit. ball like I'd say like a, a, so it's a under mi- eight mini tumbleweed yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
and and then she turns to me, and I, I, and this is over the course of about an hour. I can see she's getting really stoned, and she's like, "Wow, this yeah. festival is just so beautiful. There's like a circle of life here. You can see, you know, like kids running mm-hmm. around, and and their parents, and even it looks like some grandparents. And it's just like a really. One- I was like, "Yeah, it's a cool. It's a really good. I agree, Diane. It's wonderful." And she goes, "Yeah, it's great." Anyway. She starts getting a little bit weird, like a bit funny in the color wise. Are you okay? She goes, Yeah, I just might sit, I'll go back to my tent for a bit and chill. I'm like, okay, no worries. I say, I take on her, I get a glass of water. You say, You're all good? She goes, Yeah, I'm fine. Now, this is where I suppose I could be open to some critique, okay? Because I am here with a whole bunch of friends I barely see and they want to hang. And my new partner, who I've been seeing at this stage for a period of literally, I'd say six weeks, is mm-hmm. a little bit under the weather. So I check on her, see it's fine. I decide, I make the decision that I'm okay to go and check and go hang out with my friends. So I go mm-hmm. hang out with my friends and what I do is every hour I come back and check on her. So the first hour I come back, she's still not feeling great. She goes, you okay? She goes, yeah, I'm okay. I say, you're good for one? She goes, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I go I go away. I go back to my friends, you know, some, some bands playing, we're having a great time. And I go back. And this time I go back and she's not in the tent. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, a, a kind of a smell coming from the tent. And I'm yep. like, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I'm like, I'm like, Diane, Diane. And there's no, there's no one there. And I start sort of seeing this trail of debris coming from the tent. And as I gradually walk, I see like a sock and then I see a shoe and then I keep walking and there's, and then I see some underpants and then I'm like, Diane, and suddenly I hear this, no, no. And I, <laughs> and I look and sure enough, Diane's pants around her ankles and there's like, Shit! She's sh- the shit in the ground, and she's shitting, okay. and there's toilet paper, and then I- she's shitting in the tent. No, so she's gone. She's now she's shitting in like a grassy area. But then I realize as I go back to the tent, there's fecal matter like on the tent, like it's it's up up, up near the. I don't, I don't know how this happens. It's like on the on the tent flaps. It's on the on the on the, near the floor. There's a bit on the roof. Like it's like it, it's a lot. Like, it's like that sort of baby shit, like that sort of greeny yellow color, and it's like there's a trail of it. So it's gone from the tent, and she's gone, and like she's. She wasn't vomiting. She was just shitting. It wasn't. It, there was no vom. It mm. was, and so, yeah, she's covered my the tent and everything. There's shit everywhere. It's not your tent. Remember, it's, it's not my Edley, tent. It's Edley's tent. tent. And yeah, yeah but, it was. But remember, I I I came in as well. Do you remember that? That was the, that, that was the next morning. Said, but that was the next morning. Okay, yeah. I oh, know. I think it was. I didn't handle early it well. on, no, You checked <laughs> on it early on. And you're like, oh, it smells. I'm like, yeah, sorry, dude. Anyway, so we cleaned it up a bit. I managed to clean up a bit, but for the record, the tent stunk like shit for the whole festival, okay? Yeah. And then the yeah. next morning after oh, you poor a fun guy. time... And, you, and you, you didn't even clean it. You just gave it back to him. <laughs> we wiped it down as best we could, but you came into the tent the next morning. And you're like, hey, guys. And you're like, and you're like oh. And you're like, oh, it stinks. And we're like, yeah, it still stinks, dude. And you like backed away. You were like, you, your attitude mm. changed from happy good morning to like, you know how you're not. you got yeah. quite a delicate nose at the best of times. Yeah. And yeah, it, it stunk of fecal matter. But it was very early on in our relationship. She alleged uh, consistently that I, it was my responsibility. I should have stayed with her throughout the process, which I, I get. But to me, I was balancing social commitments and the partner. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't deny that I'm about each person being relatively self-sufficient. I'm probably not the most, not the best at sort of sacrificing my own interests. It's a tough one. It's a tough one because often people don't want you being near them. That's what I thought. That was the vibe I thought she was giving anyway. But yeah. You didn't know she had the shits. You just, you you made the decision before that. Yeah. It went pear-shaped. And you know, there's lots of, I've got more camping escapades that I'll I'll, I'll tell you over the next uh, 20 or 30 (laughs) podcasts. Lots of those ones. But yeah, it was not a good look early on in the relationship. You could say it was a, a smell of things to come but it was yeah it was um, unfortunate in many ways but we got through it at that time and the rationale at that time is if we can get through this we can get through anything and that proved to be incorrect but at the time it was uh, it was quite a bracing shock take me home 
I promise I will not make noise or mess the house with other boys. Oh, please don't make me stay. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> no, that's enough. We don't need the whole song. <laughs> Another time, coming back from a camp, yes. I... I was, it was, this is a play camp because there's so many different types of camps, right? There's like there is. You know, camp quality, yeah. play camp, there's summer camp. Arc camp. What's arc camp? Um, it was a gay bar, you know, like a. You know, it was like a- oh, it's camp. Oh, like Camp David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm Cape David. <laughs> Come and stay with me, <laughs> Dickie. Uh, there was, um, what is the other, what's the other one where they go for, for sport? What do camp horses eat? What, what do they eat, George? You tell me. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we got there in the end. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of camps uh, but yeah, here. So, I was on the yeah. way back from a play camp at uni. And um, so, I had like a, a... I was catching a public transport in Melbourne. And it was for the comedy the comedy review, which the degeneration and all those kinds of... Kind of people love those did. guys. Love those guys. And Lawrence Lung. Shout out. He was big the fan. director of like it. Him, like him. Big Yeah. Big um, comedian now. And I had, a, I had a Yankees cap on and I had like my sleeping bag. And I was just bored and I just thought I'd, for shits and giggles I'd come up and I was just waiting for a bus. So I came up to this old couple and I was by myself. And I was, Did you, you say, know, we just want to ask you what you're doing? You said, just waiting for a bus. <laughs> so we what, are you, what are you doing here? Just waiting for a bus? Did you say that at all or not? No, I didn't. No, no, one, no one asked. initiated okay. con- conversation with me. I came up to them and I was like this old couple <laughs> and I was like, yo, I got a question for you. I was just wondering which way it was to the opera house. Yeah. And 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 they were like looked at me and like they like you know like they kind of like thought I was pretty cute and they're like oh you know you poor poor boy it's not that's in Sydney and I was like yeah that's that's where we're at yo yo where where do I get there and she goes no you're in Melbourne and I was like oh come on you fucking kidding me right um what about the Rock how do I get to Uluru they're like oh you poor boy and, they, and it was going really well and then like there was like an awkward silence because we were just waiting for the bus. And I went, you know, actually, I'm not from America. <laughs> you know, I was just joking. <laughs> the fucking, this 80-year-old man looked like he wanted to punch me in the throat. He just turned. It's a real it's, dick move, man. It's a dick thing to do. <laughs> like, you should... <laughs> it's very, very six degrees of separation. Like, I think, you know, before they knew they were being hoodwinked, they had a great story to tell. But then once it was just like a smart-ass comedy review guy catching the bus back. Yeah, they... they, they they were none too happy. It's full disclosure. The Jono and Dodge podcast. I'm just going to take a piss then. I'll be, I'll be back in a sec. Okay. Oh, yes. Hello. Yeah, hello. Uh, looking to speak to fucking Dodge or, uh, or Jono or whatever your names are. George is going for a piss. It's, this is John. Oh, right. Well, nice, nice to nice to hear hear from you, mate. Well, I'm supposed I'm, t- I'm calling you. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, it's Baz. Baz calling you from uh, Baz. Baz from Rockingham. How are you? Baz from Rockingham. Rockingham. Where's Rockingham? Yeah, Rockingham. It's uh, down in south of Perth. About an hour south of Perth. It's a good spot, mate. Um, look, I love it. I've been there most of my life. But um, the reason I called, uh, yes. I don't want to don't want to fuck you guys around or anything. I want to get straight to the <laughs> fucking point. Is um. Oh, you guys talk. We appreciate oh, that. Oh, yeah. Guys. Well, yep. you don't want to fuck around, do you? Like, life's too fucking short, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, you, you don't have right. time to fucking just chop and change and talk about anything. But you guys do talk a bit long for the record. I reckon it could be a bit shorter. I'd put it around. Tw- okay. Most people reckon like 20 minutes to half an hour is most people's, you know, attention span this day, especially when you've got stuff to do. You know, like yep. you're going to go to the TAB or you want to go and, you know, have a. 
have a have a route or, or or a feed or something like that, you know. But anyway, yeah. um, just came to talk to you. Well, I came, <laughs> didn't come. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, anyway, sorry. Uh, just just rang up to uh, talk sport actually, and in particular, oh, yeah, because you guys, when you started out, you you know you're talking about sport a fair bit, but you kind of fucking sort of eased up on it a little bit, which is fine. Yes. Like I don't mind. Mm-hmm. But what I want to talk about is um, well, something I think. Oh, you guys love. You were talking about Bomber earlier and, and, and Ross the Boss. Uh, and what does he say? He's got yeah, a, Ross, Ross the Boss. Yeah, he's, he says some funny things, doesn't he? Like, uh, what does he say at the end of the day? He says that a lot, doesn't he? And stuff. All that kind of shit. <laughs> it's funny you know? how he says that. Yeah, yeah talks, stuff like, yeah. Uh, I love your budding breasts and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's <laughs> he he's a that, funny yeah. old man. Yeah, anyway, what I wanted to talk about was um, footy. And uh, well, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, I, are you who do you go for? Do you, you go for the West Coast or for the Fremantle? Doctors? Oh no, nah, mate, I'm a I'm a Geelong boy. Yeah, just from oh. way back in the day, I used to get really pissed oh. off. You know, if we didn't win, I used to like you know break something in the house. I used to get an axe out and like you know yeah. like literally, I broke a couple of TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, I used to really give back in the Ablett days, especially when uh, mm-hmm. what, Ablett scene. Yeah, yeah, back when Malcolm Blight yeah. was coaching, God. I was you know I was really behind the team. We used to score a lot, but yeah. we didn't. anyway, I digress. Anyway, the point I. I'm, talk, I'm talk, talking about is uh, AFL footy and what what's really missing these days from the games. Yes. What I've missed yes. more than anything else. And you tell me what you think it is, mate. Um, oh, just hard at it. Like they, they all seem no. to be mates now. No, so not maybe, that. No? What else? Um, oh, okay. Uh, streakers. No, nah, well, they're all right, aren't they? Don't mind a bit of those. So don't tell Shirls. Hope she's going here. Nothing, nothing, Shirley. Nothing. Just talking footy. Uh, what el- what else you got? Uh, what just else talking, would you miss? Just talking footy, Shirley. Shirley, uh, <laughs> we're just talking. We're just talking footy, all right? Just the, I guess. I guess the big full forwards. Ah, uh, the big big full forwards. Yeah. yeah oh, like, what's the big man fly? Yeah. 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 No, I used to plug her and all that. Yeah, I used to get up the yeah. Jason Dunstall when he was on the lead yeah. and sliding on his knees and never dished out yeah. a handball. I used to love KB just running down the, down the boundary, tapping yeah. it, doing handballing him too, and giving himself a little handball. It's like a bit like uh, giving yourself a little uh, thumbs up, isn't it? Like a handball. Like yeah, yeah, yeah I'm all right. A little, little pat on the back. A little yeah. pat on the butt. Um, no, I don't know. I I'll don't tell know. You, mate. I'll um, tell you straight up. Yeah. What yeah. AFL is missing now? Mm-hmm. Is the great noses? There was some great noses back <laughs> in the game. You know, back oh. there was some fantastic. You know, even more recently, you had Brady Rawlings. Do you remember his schnoz? Solid schnoz. Mm-hmm. But then you go back to someone like a Johnny Platten. Boy, that was a great oh yes. Yeah. You know, the rat. I think that yes. Well, you, he tried to he tried to fool us with that long hair to take us take oh, us away from his nose. Immense but, schnoz. Yeah, yeah. And then you got yes. people like you know Clint Bizzle had a, a fair snout on him. But Dennis Committee uh-huh. played a little bit for uh, for West Perth. He was a good. Do you know Basil? Oh, Zemplis used to run around in the twos. Yeah, they've got big noses. Yeah, yeah. there were some good ones. But then I, I thought overall, uh, even John Gastev. Do you remember John Gastev? He had a. Oh, real, I used to love Johnny Gastev. <laughs> he had a real schnoz on him, Johnny, and he would. He, I think. I think. Um, Dunn still kicked about nineteen goals on on John Gastev. That was that, that was his direct opponent. Yeah. when he broke that. Well, did he? No, John, John would yeah. run through the halfback flank as well. But yeah, it wasn't a great contested mark. But the great thing about a good schnoz, and this is what people don't. John Elliott. John Elliott's, uh, he's not quite a footballer, but gee, he had a he had a, he had a good size one on him. Troy Luff, no, I can name, I can name, I can go all day on Dean Cox. So, the, so, Dean Cox. so you're saying at the moment there's not a big lot of big noses. So the thing about a good schnoz is when you're running around, it's 
it takes the opponent's mind off the ball, and they often just can't help themselves. They try and hit you right in the schnoz. They just try and bash you, right? Mm. Pound it down, pound it, pound it, pound it down. <laughs> and that's what they're thinking. You know, Phil Matera. Now, there, there's there's a oh, – who can forget nice. that, you know? Sure, Peter, yeah. he might be able to run down a wing, but Phil Matera had a nose for a goal, you know? He, he had. Do the Watsons? Do the Watsons have oh, big noses? Solid schnoz. Some people reckon Dean Rioli had a, a pretty, pretty big one. Did you, did you think it was uh-huh. big? But Brett Burton. Yeah, I think it was. Do you remember Brett Burton? He had, he had some bigger things than uh, he had yeah, some breasts on him. Bit of a tum tum on him. <laughs> but no, nah, that's what's missing for me. And the great, yeah, it's underestimated as a tactic because if you if you can't if you're blinded by the size of the schnoz and it sort of yes. seems to set off something in the opposition. And yeah, these days people get it fixed. That's what I reckon. I reckon these players uh-huh. that are coming in, these these pretty boys like your Mark Murphys uh, and all these kind of t- types, yes. they've all had nose jobs, mate. They've all had mm. it. They've all gotten rid of it. They've gotten rid of what is their primary asset. And the primary asset is having that strong beak, which you can then lean across, grab the handle, flick it out, wipe the snot off your face, and someone goes, well, there's a fucking player. There's a player. That is a hot take. That is a hot take on uh, full disclosure. Thank you for that. That's what That's, we're missing. Uh, I've never days. thought of it like yeah, that. It's just a little something to leave you on. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call in when something else comes to mind, mate. But if you could just try and let's bring back the schnoz. That's what I reckon. Bring back the schnoz. And, you know, okay. people that like could be a catch cry. Ben Cousins and those types, you've given the schnoz a bad name. You know, they reckon mm. just because, you know, a bit of white line fever, if you know what I mean, mm. that people start thinking that the schnozes are just for putting stuff up there. But it's actually right. about sniffing out a great play, leading with the face and saying, I'll cop it sweet. You can break my nose, but you can't break my spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. They, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, well, look, great stuff. I guess, I guess, yeah, there's a lot of broken noses in football, like Sean Denham and those kind of guys. Oh, yeah, great nose. I mean, yeah, the other ones no cartilage left in it. Who, sorry? The other noses you like? Uh, yeah, I'm st- Greg Anderson, I think, had a pretty strong nose. Yeah, it's good. I guess maybe, yeah, some like some Italian, like Roman kind of noses. I'm trying to think, you know, did Kudafides or Christou? You'd think someone like Brett Ratton with a name like that would have an, a... Sh- he does have a big nose. He doesn't have a, no- doesn't have a big, big nose. nose. No. But I reckon I've, I've reeled off most of <laughs> the big... Well, I reckon I've reeled off most of the big ones. Yeah, what's for dinner tonight? What do you... What do you, what do you eat around Rocky? <laughs> Ask her. What's yeah. up for grub? <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Uh, bit of lamb and two veg, mate. Just gonna go with oh, the broccoli. Great. Give the uh, the broccoli a run and the cauliflower with the nice cheese on it. You know that stuff. Oh, yeah. cauliflower cheese. Yeah. I love lamb that. and two veg, mate. I love. What, I love what Shell does. I love everything about. Glass it. of red wine. What's that? Glass of red wine or cask. a couple of swannies. Yeah, what we might have drinking? a cask out there somewhere, but um. Yeah. Oh, no, we do, Good wine. we do um Swan Lager over here, mate. You should come over. Yes. It's bloody nice. But look, l- let me know when you think of some great schnozzers in your time. But yeah, for me, when I'm watching the telly and when I'm not breaking the telly, when the cats are having a bit of a a bit of a mare, uh, I'm generally looking at the schnozzers. And I reckon it's just something. I don't know what's the rhinoplasty or something, but they just aren't there anymore. And more's the pity in my Bring opinion. Bring back the schnoz. Bring back the schnoz, mate. See you, mate. See you, buddy. Great stuff. Are you, oh, we should have asked him for a rap. Look, uh, there's rumours. I've just got back from the switchboard. Apparently, there's a track. He's more of a, not a rapper, but more of a, a guitar sort of a Willie Nelson type. 
and uh, there could be a, a track about his love of the schnoz. Uh, he might send. You absolute beauty. Apparently, the rumor oh, is he's happy to send it to us to end this week's podcast. So something oh. a bit special there for us to look forward Fantastic. to. Maybe fingers crossed. I, I hope it's a corker. Um, yeah, I, don't, I didn't really hear much of what he had to say. No, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Yeah, you don't, yeah it's good stuff. All right. Well, um, <laughs> any, any any final notes on on this week's episode, mate? Anything you want to want to say as we wrap off? Well, just yeah. I guess you and I have done a lot of camping, so maybe we'll just throw some more camping stories in throughout throughout the weeks. But um, yeah, you, you uh, broke a kid's collarbone. That was a great way. To, 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 to finish the week, you broke a, you broke a kid's collarbone. I probably broke a kid's psyche, screaming yes. at him. So we've all True. we've all got our skeletons in the closet. We've all done a bit of damage, but you, you're doing a lot of uh, good things for the for kids across the country and have done for years. So you're in credit, mate. Yours truly, yes. not sure if I'm in credit when you combine the fact that I'm also the voice of <laughs> voice That's of a casino, casino yeah. every time there's a, a jackpot going off. So I'm probably in the debit column. What do you say? That, what do you say in the casino? Uh, every time there's a jackpot or, or an area at um, Star City, there'll be my voice going, yeah. and there goes another jackpot, that kind of thing. And uh, come on down <laughs> to this area now where there's a jackpot just about to go off. There's that kind of thing awesome. going on. And there's like music playing in the background and they're like Pavlov's dog. They're just get sort of you know moved to another area of the casino chasing that elusive jackpot which will probably save them from losing their second or third or fourth house so yeah it's a little bit a little bit in the negative column yours truly but uh thankfully i've got you as a friend done lots so of other great things mate. <laughs> and you edit this podcast which i really appreciate no that's fine actually i will say before i wrap up just so listeners don't think i am the biggest cock of all time i did recently have a voiceover which uh won an award uh australia-wide and more importantly that voiceover was about um water safety in terms of not drinking and doing drugs and um, swimming uh, because you can drown so that's a positive message one of the one of the nice positive messages uh, i've put across through my career which hopefully might even save lives so uh, there's there is the odd piece of credit there don't you worry Beautiful stuff, mate. All right. Uh, Look forward to catching up next well, week. Well, yeah, I guess uh, to wrap up, uh, thanks for joining us for another episode nine. I hope you've enjoyed some of the uh, tales of, of hijinks and camping. We'll come back to you in a week's time with episode 10 with a new theme and a new vibe. I'm really looking forward to episode 10. We'll have to make it a big one. That's our first milestone. That's right. It could coincide with the way things are jacking up, and I mean jacking up in the ratings. It could be coincide with our 500th listen. So we're doing, uh, uh, they're coming from all across the country, all 500 of them. So uh, when we hit that Mark with episode 10 and we're going to promise you something pretty special but when I say special there's nothing better than Jono Burns bringing out the old budgerigar in the, in the larynx so uh, Jono take us away with your camp hijinks number hello mother hello father here I am at camp Granada camp is very entertaining yeah this is Baz um Oh, just uh, thought I'd whack in this track for you. Ah, oh, sorry. Um, look, a lot of people say I sound a bit like Elvis. Um, a little bit of John Lennon, maybe. But, uh, look, <laughs> I reckon I've got my own sound. Um, so, have a listen. Love your show, boys. Keep up the good work. And uh, I guess the only question I've got is, where have all the fucking noses gone? John Gastiv He came down Like a bowl of blue He taught them A thing or two About what you're Supposed to do He had a Strong nose And what you can't 
attitude Adjustment required within And I said Where have all the noses gone? Oh, where have all the noses gone? They've gone to a better place A better place It's a terrible, oh, it's a terrible waste Brady Rollins, where have all the noses gone? Johnny Platten, we've all the noses gone. Oh, they've gone to a place where you can't see them anymore. Hidden by society. Oh, behind a locked door. Yeah. Oh, where have all the noses gone? I tell you. It's called the AFL Tribunal. Oh, oh, they got me on the phone. They're telling me not to moan about the state of it all. Yes, I said, we're the nose is gone. Just tell me this. We've all the nose is gone. I feel like I'm never gonna see them again I'm never gonna see them again Bouncing down the wing And the gold square No one cares